Hi, I'm Mike Phil. Yeah, I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family i swear i talk more in the episodes hey there i'm mr black and i'm mr green and we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store together we host the pint o comics podcast where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies tv comics music or just whatever starting very soon we'll be joining up with the fine folks at forgotten entertainment for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Chance. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent most of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we'll put a shock to our system by covering Static Shock, the animated series on... Yet another DC animated podcast. Welcome to yet another episode, yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year, don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood, <laughs> premiered. Um, I believe it won either seven or none Academy Awards. Oh, man, that is, wow. Um, that, that's a throwback. And um, wow, that, I, there's nothing else that I can say about that. <laughs> <laughs> it did turn a profit. $17 million it made at the box oh, office really i'm oh, pretty sure funny. i'm pretty sure that i contributed like 16 million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars and three cents to that probably see look you know we all came together we all for this community movie <laughs> that blended so many issues it took on so many issues in a like comedic way and um the static episode goes a different way to tackle issues in a much more serious and grounded route with a little comedy sprinkled in. Yes, yes, because definitely today we are talking about the episode, season one, episode eight, Sons of the Fathers. This is the static episode, probably one of the most iconic ones, mainly because it tackles and addresses race in 22 minutes. This 21 minutes and 54 seconds is dedicated to try to talk through race relations in America and especially within the superhuman community. So we have our main cast returning and as well as we've got some of our old kind of main cast too with Ebon coming through. We got Talon, aka Evil Hawk Girl, Shiv, aka Lightning Blade McGee. I think these are the names that you gave them, Andrew, if oh, I'm yes. not mistaken. <laughs> I, I, they sound like me. <laughs> 
And finally, we have some true ultra special guests in this episode today, as we have Dan Lauria, who, after playing Jack Arnold, the father from the Wonder Years, not the one with Dulé Hill, because this would be a clear, clear difference <laughs> in the dialogue coming out of his mouth in this episode, as he's playing the father once again as Sean Foley in today's episode. And we have another special guest of Gene Smart, who is voicing Maggie Foley. Um, Foley, by if by y'all remembering, Richie Foley, these are his parents. So Richie Foley's parents are also voiced by Gene Smart, who later on voiced Kim Possible's mom, who then later on played the live action version of Agent Lori Blake in another DC production. So it's kind of crazy because... Um, in that HBO Watchmen series, I believe that they actually do tackle race relations. So she's like, she's in it. <laughs> yeah, she has been, she's been in part of really pivotal episodes for race relations and superhero. It's kind of crazy just how, how, where she started and where she is now. Um, and, and yeah, Jean Smart's fantastic. You see her in Legion, all this stuff. Like she's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Almost forgot about Legion. Also, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, we open up to this episode. This is a very special episode here already because it opens up to a food court in the mall, which is something I have not seen in such a very long time. Yeah, it's almost an ancient relic, like a blockbuster. <laughs> it, it's, it's crazy. And uh, it's a standard day at the mall. Uh, dad's with his son. And his son says he, he sees the shadows moving and his dad's like, you eat too much sugar, son. Stop drinking that. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, it's Ebon. Yes, because he's transported himself and the Metabreed to the mall to attack everybody in there. Their plan is to hold everybody hostage so he can steal their money and then make their quick getaway thanks to Ebon's um, shadow powers. I think there's so many different moments that happen here, including the older woman who, <laughs> during the time that she's pretending to look for her valuables to give over to Lightning Blade McGee, she instead pepper sprays him in the face. And it's just like, this woman is a straight up G. I, I love the courage. You got to have some, some, real, some real courage to shop in Dakota. And this old woman <laughs> is not going to let anyone stop her from getting, I don't even know what she was there to buy. Maybe she was just here to hang out. Or maybe she was just waiting for somebody to roll up on her. You know what? That could be it. She probably took the Batman approach. It was just like, I'm going to go out on quote unquote patrol and just wait, start something, and then figure out what to do next. But luckily, she doesn't have to do much because at that same moment, Static comes through. I guess he was also patrolling too. He starts attacking Ebon and the rest of the meta breed, and he's able to take out Ebon in this like really cool move. Um, I think it was called like the Nova Ball. I just thought it was really cool because yeah. it was just like a spirit bomb, basically. <laughs> And a nice little callback, he gets thrown into a Burger Fool restaurant where he worked at back in episode uh, five, six? Five, yeah, five. five. <laughs> so it's, it's a nice little thing. Like they still, they pay attention to detail in this world and what the world they're building out. After resolving the situation, getting everybody out, saving everyone from the meta breed, he static gets a little, his 17 seconds of fame. He's on TV. He's shouting out his catchphrase and him and Richie and his dad are just chilling, you know, taking it all in. And his dad is like, guy's so cocky. That's static guy. <laughs> but he does have a reason to be cocky a little bit. You know, it's just this like episode eight so far. He's already captured one of these um, top meta breed um, gang members here because Talon, 
he was she was one of the people that got taken into custody so it does kind of like explode into um a little bit more because we see that Ebon's quite upset about the fact that Talon got captured but while Richie and Static are just at home and having the time of their lives you get moments of just like Sharon is annoyed over the fact that Richie's just like always there like she's always he's always eating their food He's saying things, too, that just kind of make it seem like he really wants to be a part of the family. But Sharon says something that really strikes a, a chord for Virgil, in which it was that Richie is always over here. Like, he thinks about this. He's like, you know what? Every single time that we ever hang out, it's either hanging around Dakota or, you know, you're at my spot, which comes to a like a full-on dialogue between the two of them as they head up to um, Virgil's room. And he's just like, you know what? Um, can we change that? Is there a possibility way to, you know, like expand where we're headed, hanging out? Yes. And uh, again, before we get to the really serious stuff, I have to stop and mention one of the videos they were going to watch on TV was called Homie Alone. And <laughs> I, I want to see this movie. <laughs> so if the writers of Static Shock are, are listening, please give me the full VHS for Homie Alone because I would really like to check it out. And I have so many questions. <laughs> yes. Release the Homie Alone cut. Yes, the Homie Alone hashtag Homie Alone cut. We're bringing it back. Petition for the Homie Alone cut. But in any case, so Richie decides he's going to relent. He's going to let, he's going to set it up so Virgil can come over for a night. And while that's being set up, we see the Metabreed is, like we mentioned before, Ebon's pissed. He is, he's mad that Bootleg Hawk Girl got captured. She really brought the squad together. And now <laughs> he wants revenge against Static no matter what. So that is a brewing plot point in the background going into Virgil finally arriving at Richie's house. And I gotta say, Richie's room is basically like a dream because he just has like all these great posable action figures and statues. He's he's taking care and dedication to his craft. And Virgil's also impressed with it. And as they're talking, they're really getting along. Um, Richie's mom, Maggie, comes up and she's like, hey guys, dinner's almost ready. And then it's revealed that it's only going to be the three of them as Richie's dad is unable to make it because he's still at work, which Virgil's just like, oh, I wish I could have met your dad, but it's okay. It's cool. We probably was planned out for another time. And every single time he talks about his dad, uh, Rishi looks relieved. Like he's just like, I'm kind of glad that his, his, my dad isn't hanging around with us, which quickly turns into a face of disappointment as the door opens and we hear Richie's dad walking through the house. Yeah, he is immediately a problem. You can tell that this dude <laughs> is angry. He's pissed off. He just wants to just, you can tell he just wants to eat dinner and just be left alone. And Virgil is initially, he's like, let me give this dude the benefit of the doubt. You know, maybe mm -hmm. he's like, I've been there. I come home some days. I be, I'm pissed off. All I want, I'm in a bad mood, whatever. And then we get to a, uncomfortable dinner where everyone's pretty much silent and everything that everything that is said is a potential bomb to go off and one of the first things Virgil mentions is oh we're going to listen to this new rap album and the dad's like oh god I hate rap music it causes violence all these hoodlums 
listening to rap music is just ruining society. And you can just feel the tension between the father and the rest of the family. Yeah. And another thing that he says that really struck a chord with me was um, he mentioned that like it leads to things that tears down the communities and the livelihood that guys like him have put together. So it's just like an additional dagger in that clear divide that he's trying to make between himself and Black people, really, in Dakota. So back up in the bedroom, Richie is upset about everything. He's like going off, talking about his dad's comments. And Virgil's telling him that, you know, it's, it's cool. Like, his dad hates rap music, too. So it's definitely, don't feel, don't feel like it's a black and white thing. Like, it's probably just an old person thing, which is just like, dang, Virgil. Like, I, I can see it. I can hear it. It's just like, you know, maybe it's just, I just feeling that same sense. It's just like, okay, maybe there's some other reason of it. It can't be me. So... As Virgil heads on over to go brush his teeth, he hears Richie's dad going off in the um in his own bedroom, saying that how you know he's really upset that he has to deal with people like him and his kind at work, and now he has to deal with someone like Virgil in his own home, and it's such yeah. a damaging moment because Virgil's just like we've we've grown we've seen Virgil in these last couple of episodes, and it's just like. He's such a nice kid. He's not going to be anything like what Richie's dad is putting, painting him to be. But as we feel that pain that Virgil has, we also see more pain on Richie's face, who sees and hears this moment going down. Yeah, the, uh, the quote, the father's quote, basically says, all his kind are bad. It's bad enough to deal with them all day long. And now I have one of them in my own house. So if there was any doubt that the, what this episode was about, <laughs> any ambiguity that moment erased it and this this moment you know again we 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 tend to keep it light but like this is something that i i've experienced this where you i've been in a house literally in the same situation where the majority of people there were not same color as me and i overheard something that made me think it is no longer safe to be here. Yeah. And you have to just come up, you invent an exit, you you just get out of there as soon as possible because you don't know if that will spiral. So this moment is not fiction. This is real. This is a real thing. A real, real thing that happens continues to happen. So for this show to highlight such some something like that, so, so visceral, so real was incredible to see on a screen like again this is within 22 minutes we haven't gotten to the the climax or anything but it already has hit on such a hard level and such a real level yeah like just echoing everything that she's saying because it then takes a more solemn tone this note uh, this um this episode as much like in a very similar scenario Virgil decides to leave. He says that, you know, it's early enough for him to make his way back without having to call up his dad or anything like that. Richie's trying to fight against Virgil leaving because he's just like, I, you know, I'm sorry. Like, this is one of the reasons why I didn't want you to come through. But like, I also don't want you to leave right now. But as Virgil leaves, Richie's dad comes out, it's like yelling at him again, saying, what's going on with all the noise and the commotion downstairs? And it was just like, this is a pretty quiet interaction, sir. I think you're just trying <laughs> to find a reason to be angry. Richie, though, shows that he has way more anger than his father will ever have about this moment because he shames his father right there for his views and even calls it right there in that moment blatant racism, which is 
something that I appreciate they did in a 2000s cartoon because it's like we always tend to take a more a note where it's just like we don't necessarily say the word especially during that time I think it was always just like you know some people just don't like people based off of this but then it's just like no this is what it is so Richie upon calling his father a racist uh runs up to his room locks himself in there telling him that he hates his father for everything that he stands for and supports and just being the way he is. And then we cut back to, to Virgil now. He's back at home. It's the next morning. Uh, he's just looking outside during a snowstorm. And um, his dad comes up to him. And I got to say, this moment was just like, to have everything that was happening right before it to then lead to this moment, it was just like, this is why they, I felt they did a really great job in this particular episode. I agree 100%. This scene is incredible. First of all, you get the you get the background that Robert picked up Virgil last night, spent all night with him. Mm-hmm. He, you know, they give you that background right away. And Virgil has this very has to have this very hard conversation with his dad, and his dad tells him whatever Richie's dad is about. Richie chose to break a cycle of intolerance. And in this moment, not only is he being so wise and informative, but he is letting us know that he does not judge Richie for what his father's views are. And that message is, I, it's in, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I literally couldn't believe that they were able to get that such a strong and moment, like that message is, it's, it's still important. It's still relevant. It always will be relevant. Yep. To hear him say that is like, Robert's father of the year. <laughs> yeah, word. <laughs> like, come on. Like, we, we need to put him up there. Like, we put, like, Uncle Phil and a bunch of other people. Like, everybody up there. Robert Hawkins needs to be up there in that, in that title, man. Like, whew. And the thing that he also says that really hit for me was he tells Virgil that, you know, you're experiencing this now, too, this, this racist moment that you had, but at the same time, so is Richie. You know, he needs your help to help him break through this cycle of intolerance that his family is experiencing. And by wishing means about your friendship alone is enough to help him do that. So I just love just again, this Robert Hawkins, man. It's, they 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 knew how to write this episode. And you know, they end it with a little bit of like a joking note between the two of them before Virgil gets a call from Maggie Foley now, who's asking him, has she, has he seen Richie since last night? Did he stay over at your place? Because apparently Richie wasn't in his room when they all woke up this morning. Yes, Richie has chosen to run away. He's run away from home, trying to get away from all this feeling in this moment that, because again, kids, for, for our younger audience, this was before texting was a wide thing. So it wasn't like he could text Virgil and be like, yo, dude, you good from last night? He had no contact with Virgil since he left. So he, at this point, Richie is like, he doesn't feel like he has a good resource at home, doesn't have a a friend at the moment. So he just takes to the streets. And, you know, if you're on the streets of Dakota, you're going to get harassed by Carmadillo. So that's (laughs) that's what Richie has to face now. He's got the peanut butter in his backpack, Carmadillo is coming for him full speed. Mm-hmm. He's also joined by this week's most Jack character, who I believe his name was Chompas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was basically a man with the face of a, of a 
pit bull or bulldog or something. It, it, it was just an incredibly Jack character. Uh, fortunately, though, Richie's able to escape as we now jump over to the community center. Everybody so far has been hurting over this moment. Like Virgil's had his moment hurting over it. Robert, you know, we didn't see it when he was talking with Virgil, but I'm pretty sure that he had to console and feel this pain as well. But more importantly, um, even Mrs. Foley had a moment in which she almost apologizes to Virgil. Like she, he, she says, she plans to say, I'm sorry, but Virgil's just like, I know. And it's just clear that like, she too is trying to break through this cycle of intolerance, which I appreciated to see and hear. The only person who hasn't just gotten the message yet is Mr. Foley, as he's at the community center now with, um, with Robert. He's basically yelling at him saying that like, come on, man, you know that you're you know that your son knows where Richie is. They, they're too tight to, for, for Richie not to tell him anything. And Robert says that, you know, like, I believe my son. If my son says that he doesn't know where Richie is, he's going to, he's either, he, one, he doesn't know. And two, he's going to go, go looking for him. So this leads into a full-on argument between the two of them as Robert questions Mr. Foley, like, how well do you actually know your son? Because have you tried calling his other friends? Have you tried going to his favorite spots? And Mr. Foley's just like, I don't know anything about my son because I also don't know anything about his friends because he just only talked about Virgil and his really cool dad. He just never mentioned that you guys were. And that's when Robert completes the sentence from African-American. And it's just like, yeah, he, Mr. Foley just never took into acceptance that like his son could have a black friend after basically spitting so much hate at him probably for his entire life yeah it's this is such an important moment because also if you you look back at any episode richie is constantly surrounded by a rainbow of peers yeah. you know the majority of his friends in dakota are most likely black hispanic other races that we haven't seen on the show so I, it makes complete sense why Richie does not want to go into his whole friend group. Cause even if he says the wrong name to his father's ears, you know, mm -hmm. if he says Maria, his father will put two and two together and he'll hear something else. So it, this was a great moment too, of like, you see the effect, the divide that it creates that racism can create when the child just doesn't agree with the values that their, their parents are trying to impose upon them, that it really breaks the family from in that way and the the fact that robert hawkins I, and he's doing it for richie's sake but the fact that he's willing to team up with someone so prejudiced right mm -hmm. away is again it says volumes about him that he can put his personal feelings aside to take care of of how things are going and luckily virgil does catch up with richie on the streets yeah, uh, Virgil is now suited up ecstatic. Unfortunately, we don't get a iconic static power up this episode. <laughs> no Super Saiyan <laughs> transformation. <laughs> but as they're flying around, Static calls up Richie on the shock box. Richie finally answers. <laughs> I love the moment because it's just like Richie's like, "Yeah, what's up?" And Virgil's like, "Oh, what's what's up? This all you gotta say?" Like after everything that went down, so the two of them finally meet up, and as they're talking things through, Static's like, "You know." I, you know, I know that you're mad at your dad for what he said and about me, but like, I'm not trying to hold on to that anger right now. And neither should you like, you know, we know who we are and everything like that. 
And Richie decides he's ready to go home. He's ready to fly back back with Static. But at that same moment, they hear uh, a siren going off and Static has to leave. But what they don't see off in the distance is that Ebon has been following Static this entire time when listened in on when Static and Richie were talking and realizes that Richie and Static are cool, which leads to Ebon going over and kidnapping Richie while Virgil flies away. Yeah, so this is great because... There's also a little quick moment where Virgil's like, the reason why Virgil left Richie alone is because it was a fire. So mm-hmm. Richie's like, go ahead, do your thing. I'll be home, I swear. And he gets taken by Ebon in that that short window who, and Ebon, of course, wants bootleg hot girl back. Mm-hmm. So his idea is like, I, I get Richie hostage, Static will get me bootleg hot girl. So while he's sorting that out, Robert and Mr. Foley go to a trap house? <laughs> Looking for Richie, maybe. I, I, I want to say that it was, for all intents and purposes, I want to say it was an abandoned house in which people were living in um, that was not commissioned by any government or city kind of thing. Right, uh, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but while they're there, um, Mr. Foley once again remarks on just like, he's like, yo, look at this. This is just a bunch of, you know, th- just a bunch of kids and people there of like that kind just hold up in here just putting on like more strain onto our society and mr hawkins once again drops some knowledge on him it's just like listen some of these kids are just like richie who are escaping bad situations and they decided to stay here because they didn't have anywhere else to go while at the same time he's also talking to people in this place and it's just like hey if you ever want to head on over to the community center that i run Here's my card. Here's the location of it. Just come through. And there's like a lot of times in which it's just like people were accepting it. But then there's like one kid who, when they asked him, like, hey, have you seen Richie? Uh, he's like, no, I haven't. But you can check out this other building. But it's clear that like the kid is sending them on a bad trip, not knowing that it actually is going to work out in their favor because the building that they're sending them to is the same building that the Metabarite is holed up in with Richie. Richie is so smart he he's got the the shock box communications on and is like subtly hinting at the location by yelling out random things including this line i laugh out loud every time i heard it where to so can virgil can figure out his location richie goes ebon if you're so great why do you live in the project (laughs) (laughs) my Savage. <laughs> we'll, we'll allow it this one time, Richie. Don't let us ever hear you say that again. Oh, <laughs> um, it's a it's a great line. It is such a fantastic line. And just as Ebon kind of figures out the deception, Robert and Mr. Foley arrive, and they have one last blow up between between each other. And my God, this line! Oh my, jaw dropping. Jogging. Bars, son. This was, this was like if it was the the theme lines for your essay. This would have been it. <laughs> this gets you the A plus right here, mm-hmm. because Robert and Mr. Foley are going back and forth, and Robert drops. He says, "You are a fine, upstanding bigot, right? You're proud mm-hmm. of it too. The worst part, you have a terrific son." God damn, get out the burn cream. Someone has been set on fire. 
And not only that, he rounds it all up to just like basically flame throws it right here with, you know, you're, you kept your nose so close to the grindstone that you don't even realize how much change the world is happening around you. And just like people like you, they're not going to see that change. So get ready for the world to pass you by. And whew, Damn. Call 911. They're not going to get there in time because this man is clinic <laughs> clinically been dead, pronounced dead at the scene. Jesus. And oh, despite despite obviously <laughs> their disagreements, they are they hear Richie upstairs. They break down this door. And you know, now they're facing two members of the meta breed. Yvonne, proven he's one of the goats on the show. Because Mr. Foley says, we're not leaving here without my son. And Yvonne goes, then you're not leaving. (laughs) (laughs) This man has no chill. He does not. This Yvonne's the... Man, step away, Edwin Alpha. Like, Yvonne should have been the main villain of this series. Because the lines alone just shows you how evil this dude is. And the fight breaks out between all of them. We got Robert holding it down with the two-by-four... (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Foley holding it down with the crowbar that um, that Jason Todd probably got beat with. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's the same one. Ca- cannon. I think that's Cannon. <laughs> so as they're all fighting, this unfortunately Ebon's able to get the upper hand, and Ebon's looking over at Richie and says, "Like, yo, nobody's gonna ever gonna help you. You know, not even your boy Static." And as if it was just like kismet, Static just comes to you like, "Did somebody say my name?" And it's just putting in the work on everybody right now. And in an incredibly subtle moment, I, I, I know it's on purpose, but it, it just has to be pointed out. So Static, like our, similarly to our boy Nightwing, doesn't wear a helmet, but he just wears a ma- domino mask so you mm-hmm. can tell what, co- what ethnicity he is. <laughs> so again, Nightwing get a helmet. Um, but Static is in a moment of struggle with Ebon and without hesitation, Mr. Foley hits Ebon. It does nothing but be a mild annoyance that lets Static gets away. But the fact that, you know, Mr. Foley up to this point has not apologized. He hasn't said anything up to this point, but he takes an action. He saves a man of color that he does not know without hesitation, doesn't think about it doesn't like he's not like oh let them figure it out he steps up i mean come on come on come on guys come on writers come on with it (laughs) damn i was gonna i was gonna make a joke about that but i I don't think i can (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say you know clearly rich um sean foley might be related to mick foley because he came at him with a steel chair (laughs) exactly (laughs) wait look he, he's no, I, I respect it. He's still that's he where he put the move. That's where he learned it. <laughs> so now that you know, now that we've seen that the WWE static smackdown has come to an end, Richie runs on over to his dad, the two of them hug, and then this moment, Sean Foley apologizes for everything that he said because he knows now that regardless of his what you know his his own personal beliefs he knows that the words that he said and the actions that he's done led to this moment happening of his son being in danger 
but he so in this moment he apologizes for everything from his words to his actions and then ultimately his beliefs and static is watching over this next to his dad um who again was we have to remember that robert hawkins does not know that static and virtual are one and the same but as static comments on just like this touching moment that happens robert hawkins immediately asks him like yo does your parents know that you've been doing out here like just fighting crime and all this like you too young to be out here right now what's your what's your curfew bro yeah <laughs> and static's like oh not answering those questions <laughs> just dips out and the episode to to wrap up where we are with things they are at the community center mm-hmm. you know a place of diversity where robert works and richie and, and virgil are hanging out well Virgil is sweeping. <laughs> he's like at the community center. Richie comes in and is like, he's excited because Richie's dad is going to take them both to Dakota Comic Con, which I don't know why we weren't invited. And I'm a little, right. I'm a little upset that we didn't get our, our invitations. Also, how easy were the tickets? Because Richie's dad says like, I'm, I was able to take off work. And I was just like, wasn't it just like two days ago that y'all... Y'all went through this whole thing. So you took off time from work and got tickets? He but... must know the manager. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so they're all excited about it. And we see that Richie's dad is kind of like making an effort here. He's like, you know what? I want to get to know my son's friends. So I'm not going to, regardless of the color of their skin. And as they're walking out, Virgil jokes about how amazing it's going to be to be seeing all the people and costume and makeup, even the guys. And... <laughs> Richie's like, yo, yeah, let's uh, let's not tell him that about that just yet. Let's uh, keep it a surprise. And it's just like, uh, all right, let's see how this one goes. <laughs> <laughs> that was our episode, Sons of the Fathers. Uh, kind of great play on words of sins of the fathers, I believe yeah. it is. Yeah. So I gotta say, man, like this was top tier episode for me. How about you? This is. I, we don't even need to rate it. You know it's a 10 out of 10. Come on. Right. <laughs> like, if we can give it more points. <laughs> it is this episode. There's a lot of there's a lot of cartoons from this era that, you know, a couple five, 10 years, they don't age well. You know, the, mm-hmm. the references are too outdated. The the animation is not up to snuff, you know, something like that. This episode will never, never go out of style. As long as there are issues of prejudice and and um racism this this episode will always be important it'll always be crucial watching essential viewing and if honestly if you had trouble articulating to a a preteen or teenager what racism is what it looks like put on this episode yeah this episode will it, it gives them some action it gives them some it sets up the world because even the structure of the episode. Beginning of the episode, Static is applauded by the public. He's loved by everyone. He's loved by his friends. He's loved by his father. He goes into a situation where he is not loved, where he is rejected, and he has to navigate that hate and that, that, that prejudice around him. So from minute one, this episode is structured in such a way that it, it makes everything hit home. Mm-hmm. So... I, I really think this is a masterclass of writing. This is exactly what you should do with 22 minutes of TV. If you have a chance to make a message and, and really leave an impact and you have 22 minutes, 
this this episode shows you how to do it. A hundred percent agree because I remember this episode from when I first watched it. Like every single time it used to come up, I would sit down there and watch it. I remembered the comments from Rishi's dad, the way that I felt watching it, like hearing him say that kind of stuff. I remember that moment that Virgil left and that moment that Richie ran away, even just like the end fight and all that. What I didn't remember that now is going to stick with me for the rest of my life is again, just like the words that Robert Hawkins was saying, because we are so accustomed in television to kind of seeing the moment happen. Like here is a kid or an adult dealing with racism, either in the most minor or extreme ways. But so very few times do we have moments spaced out in between the episode of just like, here is an adult Black male who's going to tell us why he sees it to be wrong. And the you're not only just getting just like, hey, I'm going to try to sit down and give you the olive branch kind of sense of feeling from the words. Like you, you can feel the anger that Robert Hawkins, who voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, had when he had to address those comments. So that's what I loved about this episode that I felt like I took for granted as a kid. But now, like you said, Andrew, it's like having that dialogue, having that language to share with somebody who's either now experiencing it or just needs to hear as an adult, just like after some time of experiencing it, just needs to hear these, these words being said. This is knowing that like, hey, it's not your fault that this person has these views. It's theirs. That kind of hatred, which I, which Robert said, that kind of hatred feeds on itself. It has nothing to do with you. So man, like this episode just top tier. I'm really glad that this was like the fact that this was a season one drop because most people would try to get like, let's get what people are interested in. Like let's do all these like kind of crazy kooky things. But this one was just like, nah, we gonna talk about this so early on in the series too. It's just great. Yeah. It, it, it's incredible to see a show take such a big swing again. And we keep emphasizing it, but it bears repeating in 2000, Mm-hmm. For a cartoon to take such a big swing and address such a serious topic and not come off as one of those very special episodes, you know, <laughs> it, but actually like do something with it and really address it and in a serious and way that kind of that affects everything, you know, it, it turns perspective. It, it, it really is incredible what they did here and yeah, it it definitely should be applauded and continue to be applauded because this it's just so real, it's so present, it's so relevant, and it will remind you that there are still this still is a thing. There are still issues. There are still people who carry views that they don't necessarily have good reasons for. They just have they just carry them, and they because they don't interact with the people they carry their views towards it doesn't change it doesn't shift and this episode just reminds that you can't just shut out these people you can sure and they'll keep going on like they do but if you can try to break down what the barrier is and you could really change someone it's not your responsibility to do so but heroes like static and robert hawkins do do that because Mm -hmm. they believe in seeing good in people 
and bringing out a better side. Yeah, definitely. And it's dialogue and story that's not too dissimilar to what we've seen throughout comics as well. So this is going to lead right into our comic book section where we're talking about how the comic book industry and their storytelling helped to tackle racism. And today's section of comics is called Racism in a Superhuman America. So we shared that, like, you know, just in our own personal watching of a lot of stuff that, like, a lot of animated series or movies in general have moments in which they address social commentary, tackling these issues in small ways, um, not much different from how Static did it. But it's similar to uh, the DC series of Young Justice. They've been recently tackling racism, not just within just on planet Earth, but in general. So it's not a story. These are things that aren't just going to be too out there for us. These are things that we've all either experienced or heard about. And especially because it's coming right off of the everything that's been happening in terms of the deaths of George, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. So this race is a big issue in America. So translating that into a comic book like these, it's it's a great way to comment on what's happening. And even in Static Season 1, the new first issue of it, or rather Milestone Returns number zero, we see that Static is now involved in the Black Lives Matter movement march that's happening. So it's there now, but the, these are the more the newer cases that's been happening in the past it's happened a lot it's you know there are moments in which it was good obviously i'm also going to say there are moments in which it was really bad but there have been some good moments like from dc superhero really just starting off with biggest swing of all green lantern as we all know green lantern originally was first introduced as alan scott but then more current versions of green lantern introduced him as um, hal jordan the person who took the mantle after that was John Stewart, a Black man who was a Marine Corps member who eventually also got the ring of power and took on the um, the title of Green Lantern during the time that Hal Jordan was away. And in that very first issue in which he was introduced, he had to deal with the fact that he was a Black superhero. You know, it's not every day where you see, you see Black superheroes, honestly. Like, there, you could probably count Back during these times when these books were being created, you could probably count on one hand how many there were. And John Stewart was one of the first ones to help to help to like really just break that barrier. And it eventually exploded out for Green Lantern to introduce more characters of color to become Green Lanterns. Because again, this is just, it's a title. It's like being a law enforcement person for the Green Lanterns. They're the law enforcement of space. So that doesn't mean that you're limited to just one race that could be, you know, a, be a Green Lantern because we literally have seen in those same comic book pages that a squirrel, a giant pig named Kilowog. I don't know if it's actually a pig though, uh, but it, it's yeah. very pig-like to me. <laughs> don't be, don't be racist. He might right. be, a, he, he might be something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll confirm whether or not he's a pig in the next couple of episodes. <laughs> But Jon Stewart was introduced and to, to help bring forward an unapologetically Black man as the new Green Lantern. And then in more recent years, we had Simon Baz, who became Green Lantern. And in those stories, he had to deal with Islamophobia. Um, you know, in fact, he, in his first couple of stories, and I think this kept going for a while, he carried a gun. 
out of his own fear, which is crazy when you think about it because the story of Green Lantern is like, this is a person who has no fear. This is supposed to be a person with ultimate willpower. And also he can create anything using his ring. But even with all this power, he still felt unsafe after the rise of hatred that he and his family received following the, the, the events of the 9-11 terror attacks. So when you think about it that way, it's just like, he's out there protecting people. It has all these powers and abilities to create anything that his mind thinks of. He could create a safe world for himself. And even upon living in the society, he still felt unsafe to the point where he had to carry an additional weapon and that being a gun. And then finally, there's a, another Green Lantern who's coming into comic books recently, Ty Pham. He is, this is, he's a middle schooler of Vietnamese descent. And the reason for his stories is we're dealing with a lot of anti-Asian racism and xenophobia right now. And his story is going to hopefully help break down that societal hold that this negative mindset has on us. So I'm really glad that DC kind of like already had opened the gate when it came to just introducing, I mean, yes, it is all Green Lantern, but there have been many other Black superheroes and other superheroes of color who've been helping to break down the just racism in general by showing that like, you know, what, I'm regardless of how I'm treated, I'm still going to fight the good fight because I know it's what's right. And not saying that, you know, that this is what's going to win them over and change your mind about them. Because look at Static. Like, he even dealt with the fact that, as you said, Andrew, like, he's being applauded for all of his work and his efforts. But there's still some people who's going to still see him as somebody who's up to no good or somebody who's just a troublemaker or someone who's a thug, someone who is a gang member or someone who at any moment could probably try to attack me all because of the color of their skin. Absolutely. I, I think, I think uh, and I agree that DC in the last few years has really committed itself to, to creating products that, that embrace diversity and try to deal with issues. I, of course, I, I think of my favorite is Black Lightning. I think mm-hmm. the Black Lightning CW show did a fantastic job of doing a spectrum of issues. So it's not, simply preachy it's not black and white literally there's a lot of layers and it evolved with the environment that the show was in so as the protests and everything escalated you saw that go into black lightning in a different way than it had been presented previous so and that's not to say you know that marvel and other people are not doing the same things but i i think it's definitely worth noting where dc is where it's come from you know, this is 2000 and 19, 20 years later on is still producing content that really takes apart these issues and really focuses on these issues. So we definitely like to celebrate and point it out when it, it's here because we need more of it. <laughs> we, 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 still, we still need more of it. You know, there's, there's still a lot of, lot of places and a lot of room to grow. Mm-hmm. in in all these fields i mean for example name four black people on game of thrones trick question you can't because there weren't so <laughs> yeah you have to we still have to push and celebrate these things so it becomes the norm and not the exception 
agree. And also definitely agree on the stories that Black Lightning just produced in that, in their entire series run, because it, it's more or less the same thing that they did with their comics too. Every comic that Black Lightning has produced has addressed the systemic racism in America in some way, shape or form, down to the most obscure ones to the ones that were just like, you know, they, this was their titular run of just like Black Lightning. So, you know, I'm glad for that too, because Black Lightning is a DC production. It didn't have to fall solely on Milestone Media to create these stories, really. Um, you know, I already just talked about Green Lantern and we talked about Black Lightning. Those are DC stuff. But to talk about Milestone really quickly, uh, you know, this is a, this is a comic book um, company that was part of DC that really focused in on creating Black superheroes and Black villains because, you know, it can't just be that, you know, white presenting people have a monopoly on, you know, super heroics and super villainry out there. Yes. Guess what, guys? Human Torch can be Black. It's fine. <laughs> He's fictional. Right. <laughs> But they, I will say though that Milestone definitely did a great job in introducing some characters, especially Icon and Rocket, who um, their comics from back in the day heavily focused in on having these debates, but specifically from the Black perspective. They would go back and forth. Icon, who, um, quick history on him, grew up in America. Like he went through the history of basically seeing it born. He was probably an extra on Hamilton for all we know. <laughs> uh, and Rocket was a newcomer to the game and she dealt with more of the recent issues of when systemic racism was being pointed out. So Icon kind of grew up with the mindset of like, yes, I am a black man, but I also have seen how, you know, by pulling up by your bootstraps, that's something that we should just be doing. And Rocket will come through with the debate of, well, how can we do that if the system is completely put against us? So these comics were filled with that dialogue. And that is, again, if you're just looking for some more language, that's like another great place to look because that helped to show both sides because they're both addressing the fact that like, hey, we're black in America. We know that. We know that like certain things don't work out to our favor because of the certain color of our skin. But to have it be both sides were there to talk it through was dialogue that was really helpful to see explained out in um, DC and Milestone Media. And just wrapping it up, you know, it's not, these are stories and things that are being tackled, not just in DC, but everywhere right now. Like I will say to our friends over in the Marvel universe, um, I think I just really enjoyed the the whole th the whole um series falcon and the winter soldier mm -hmm. um because they really captured what was happening with falcon in the comics when it when he was becoming captain america or actually became captain america and how he addressed the racial issues that were happening in society so you know and we saw that same level of unfortunate hatred that we just saw it's like a black man can't be captain america and then so it's crazy now that we're experiencing and seeing everything from a whole new light and now we're addressing these stories breaking them down more specifically I think that's the most important key part of it like these are static was able to explain this in 22 minutes but it's still even in moments like that it felt like sections of it were broken apart so we're not just 
going through it entirely and then jumping around. This was a story that affected the rest of their relationship moving forward throughout the show and series. And this is something that people are really looking into now. So with Falcon and becoming Captain America, he also had to deal with the fact that Falcon had to deal with the fact that now that he's Captain America, he's supporting a country that for years hasn't worked in his favor and kind of also had systems and things put against him. So how can he wear these colors when it's probably not going to work out for him? And this was something that I saw a lot of in the comic and as well as in the TV show that they released. So I'm glad that we're seeing moments of different sides of how do I tackle racism while also trying to, you know, make something new for myself, trying to get past these moments of just microaggressions and macroaggressions that are happening. And, you know, comic books have been telling this story for years. So that's why we've got it now. Like, just look at the X-Men also. It's just like basically an allegory for the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. So we see these stories and they're told in ways that are just so, I guess, in a way digestible for people. Yes. Because we don't have to deal with the fact of it's not a 300, 400 long page book about how you could be a better ally. It's it's a moment of just like, you see this happening now. How do you feel about it? It's a more of a conversation, which I love. It's no longer, here's a resource piece for you to learn. It's just like, talk it through. How do you interpret it? And that's why comics are just so great with their social commentary, because not only about racism, but it's just about all the other issues that are happening in the world. So if you ever want to find out more, I definitely recommend just pick up a comic, y'all. Always our recommendation, but this week especially, pick up pick up a comic. Um, so yeah, that's and also real quick, also that there have been moments of missteps. I'll I'll admit that. Like um, I think Andrew told me some some crazy things that you've come across. <laughs> oh man, I yes. I mean there was that time where Lois was black for a minute. there's also a point in the comics too where um captain marvel shazam with the dc universe whichever name you prefer to choose uh might have might have had someone who's basically an employee of his that was painted as a negative caricature of the black community so you know those are the stories of old and i don't think they've ever been addressed or apologized for but at least, you know, hopefully things like that will never happen again. And I hope that we just honestly start lifting up and making sure there's proper representation of people of color in the superhuman America. Yeah. And, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing strides in, in way, in things like if you saw the excellent Shang-Chi, mm-hmm. you'll notice that they kind of they address the mandarin naming head on yeah and they also have a discussion about even the fact that um shang chi's father is named wen wu instead of his comic book name which is fu manchu they completely avoid that by giving him an actual name and not reducing him to a cheap caricature so these updates are important and just seeing more people of color in superhero movies that are not just psychics that are not being introduced by a white character are is important and i and i'm hoping 
that just continues and this upward trend we're in a great time now we just want to keep seeing more want to keep seeing you know a dc live action movie soon maybe with the black lead maybe yes that would be nice (laughs) (laughs) just saying he's right there (laughs) i mean you got hawk man so uh you're gonna you're gonna do something with him all this hodge we'll see we'll see (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and black adam is a anti-hero so don't don't at me about that yeah no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know the rock is here we're happy but he's an anti-hero let's get a hero <laughs> <laughs> all right so that wraps up our comic section uh i do want to share one last thing on a more personal note mm-hmm. yeah so yes. you know i was drawn to comics superheroes and cartoons because like as a kid in america that's just what you gravitate to you know, they, you're killing time by reading the book, you're killing time by watching some TV. You felt, you're falling in love with just like the coolness of the character, the flashiness of their moves. And ultimately also you're seeing how a problem can be solved in just like really quickly because all the problems were really just about like world domination by a villain who could just be stopped by someone punching him in the face or a joke from a hero to that disarms them enough to distract them, kind of like what we've been seeing throughout, you know, basically all superhero comic book productions. So yeah, that's why I fell in love with it. But at the end of the day, I'm a Black kid from Brooklyn. And the reason why I gravitated towards his comics, because in these small pages, I saw my story being told a lot. You know, there's more creations, there's more people popping up that just like, have that kind of moral compass of just like, I understand what's right from wrong. I see people now talking and addressing the issues that are happening in America dealing, dealing with systemic racism. So, but more importantly, like Andrew, our stories aren't that different from Virgil's. Like we're both like smart, fun loving people who uh, probably live in a place right now that, you know, in the blink of an eye, something could go down. Like it's not necessarily gonna be a bang baby or a transformer. Roman Roman running down the street but you know we had to navigate a world where no matter how many good deeds we do how clean our records are or just like how many smiles that we can give to the public to show how pleasant we are um we can easily be just be deemed a villain just because of the color of our skin and in my life I've only really received any kind of like mild mistreatments from racial profiling but others haven't been as lucky. So I'm really glad that we're able to have this conversation because it shows that we're now at a stage where we can have them, but more importantly, other people are learning that this is the reality that we truly live in. And it's still a journey. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's not as much of the odyssey that it was back when this episode had dropped in in 2000. But I'm just thankful that we have so many resources and books and stories animated series movies just all just addressing them now so that's why i'm glad that in 2000 static was able to show us that here's a way to tackle racism in 22 minutes and for those who are listening out there the real message from this show is that they wanted to show us that the words and the images that they're putting forward they're reflections upon ourselves this is the world that we live in so Just take what you're seeing there, practice what they're teaching, and then take what you've learned and turn it into something that maybe hopefully can expand on this, expand on the conversations, 
so that either the next person, the next generation, or whatever it may be, they can take that change and finally make it happen. Beautifully said. 100% ditto, agree, upvote, all that. (laughs) 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 We're on Reddit now. Uh, (laughs) Agree. Agree all 100%. All right. Well, that was our episode. Thank you all for joining us for uh, this conversation that Static helped to create for us. And next week, we're going to be talking about the next set of episodes of the Static Shock series in season one. There's still a few left and we're going to be tackling um, not going to be quite racism, but we are going to be tackling some more big bads that Static that's in Static's Rogues Gallery. So very much looking forward to that. Yeah. Will Tusk come back? We don't know. We're no, not gonna it's tell all you. about the Carmen Dillo right now. <laughs> oh, it's Carmen Dillo. It's the year of Carmen Dillo. Excuse me. 2021 Carmen Dillo's year. <laughs> all right, y'all. Well, until then, take care of yourselves and remember that you have the power to make change happen. Yes. Again, it is not your responsibility to educate everyone, but if you can educate someone, if you can start changing the tide at all, Just think about taking that opportunity to do so and maybe the world to get a little bit better. Now that we've finished talking about our DC animated content, here are some recommended readings for you. All these comics and more can be found at your local comic shop, so remember to venture out and support your part of the source wall and tell them Andrew and Shamar sent you. The first comic series in our list is Icon and Rocket, another set of milestone heroes from 1993 that historically opened the debate of the Black experience in America. They're back with a new run to continue their conversations in 2021. Next we have Black Lightning, Cold Dead Hands. The six-issue 2018 series written by Black Lightning co-creator Tony Isabella and illustrated by Jamaican comic artist Clayton Henry gives us a younger Black Lightning in a more modern age. He's fighting against some out-of-this-world forces, but more importantly, he's going against the injustices and racism within his own neighborhood. Finally, we have Your Black Friend by Ben Passmore. This doesn't have any superheroes. This doesn't have any supervillains. This is just an illustrated comic of a real letter from a black friend to you. That's all for our list. Thank you for listening and be sure to rate, review, and follow yet another DC animated podcast. Also, interact with us on social media for news on upcoming content. Take care and we'll see you for the next issue.